0: Good morning, and, well, I guess... <laughs> and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of St. Albans. We're so glad you're able to worship with us here today, either in person or on Facebook Live. Um, a few announcements this morning. There are a couple of opportunities for Zoom Bible study through uh, Presbyterian Women, which is coming up on this Tuesday. And as well as our Lenten Bible study with Pastor Mark, um, also on Zoom, 6.30 on Wednesday evenings. So if you would like to join us for that, please check your email or contact us for the Zoom links. Um, College scholarships applications are also being accepted uh, through April 1st, so if you have a college students, please make sure they get those in as soon as possible. We're also on target to have an Easter egg hunt, so we hope you all will be able to join us for Easter. If you do plan to attend, please let us know by uh, uh, letting Amy know in the office, just trying to get a rough idea, make sure we're able to appropriately distance, um, etc. for Easter Sunday, but we would love to, for you to join us. Any other announcements? Let us worship God. Join in the call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. But the redeemed of the Lord say so, to those He redeemed from trouble. God gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. stress. Let us thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Let us thank the Lord for his wonderful works to humanity. Come, let us worship the Triune God. Let us stand and as we prepare to meditate on our gathering song, we are called, come live in the light. For God so loved the cosmos, God came into the world not to condemn it, but in order that the cosmos would be saved. Let us then corporately confess our sins. God of comfort and God of challenge, we come to you this morning full of complaints and dissatisfaction. Nothing is enough. We do not recognize your blessing and work in our day-to-day lives. Forgive us when we become so comfortable that we moan and groan about the most insignificant details of our lives and our complaints to consider the bigger picture of oppression, injustice, and inequality around us. Forgive us when we close our eyes for fear of what you might show us. Keep steadfast. Open our eyes until we see what you see in our world. Just pause for a moment of silent confession.
1: Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. That we know that Christ came for us, He lived with us, He died for us, he rose again to a new life for us, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The Apostle Paul tells us that He prays for us. We know that in Christ's coming, God was we'll reconciled the world to Himself. Our old life is gone, and a new life for me. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace. And pray also for me, a sinner.
0: from Numbers chapter 21 verses 4 through 9. Listen for the word of God. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people. They bit, they, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent. And set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Children come forward for a children, sir. Okay, today I'm gonna ask a question of a serious nature. I need to know what scares you. What are you afraid of? Anything? Nothing? Have no fear. This is amazing and it's going to be a terrible children's day. Don't let them fool you. What? Do maybe like, do mosquitoes scare you? Bug bites? Yeah, one of you're scared by blood bites. Okay. What about like elephants? An elephants sort of walking down the street, would that scare you? Nah. Okay. Well, I want to show you what scares me. Okay. What is this? Snakes scare me to death. Now, when I was little, I used to pick them up, but now I don't, right? And so I wanted to bring you a coloring page today of a snake because I want to tell you how I try to, I try to live my life in such a way that I avoid snakes at all costs, okay? And it's a weird thing, your mom just read a story, right? She read a story from the Old Testament, and it said that the Israelites were kind of walking in the wilderness, and they were complaining, and they were moaning a little bit. And so God did this really weird thing, and he sent poisonous snakes to bite them as they were walking. And said some of them got really, really, really sick. And so they said, oh, we, we shouldn't be complaining about God. God has delivered us from slavery, and we get to go to a new land that's ours. And so then God says to Moses this other weird thing, make a snake and put it on a pole hold the pole up, and anybody that ever gets a snake bite, if they look at that pole, they would heal. Okay, now, he didn't take the snakes away, which is kind of odd. I think God sent the snakes God could just pull the snakes away, right? That would make a little bit more sense to me, but God thinks differently than we do. But God says it's important for us to look at the thing that scares us and know that God loves us more than anything that ever scares us. It could scare us. And so anytime that we get scared, what God wants us to do is to take, to take time to think through things and, and know that God says he will never leave us, he will never forget about us, he always loves us, he wants us to be safe. Okay, so sometimes there are things in life like lightning storms that sometimes scare you. the lightning storms scare you a little bit. Maybe not. You're afraid of nothing, are you? Okay, okay, all right. So since you have no fear, I want to let you pray. <laughs> Is that scary a little bit? No, you're not still all right. When you're preaching, sister. No. Not, all right. Well, instead of preaching, how about we pray and thank God for giving us Jesus who saves us from it. Okay? Dear God, dear God you rock you and we love you and we're so glad you sent us Jesus to save us from our sins, and things that scare us, please help us, always think, and put our eyes on you, we love you, amen, okay, color a picture of a snake for me, okay, Our New Testament text today is from John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Listen to God's holy word. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son, of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen, and their deeds have been done by God. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of His holy word. Holy God, we thank you so much for the story of your Son coming to earth, being incarnate. Loving us, not as a way for us to be condemned, but as a way for all of us to be saved. We ask God that you be with us as we contemplate this word this day. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I already said to the young ladies this morning that I'm not a fan of snakes, but the ironic part about that is, growing up in West Virginia, I did used to play with snakes. Um. Not laborly, but I would find them and, and be okay with them. Um, and I think it was because I was in scouts at such an early age, and I learned what snakes were okay to blow with. Uh, I was told that you always avoid copperheads and timber rattlers. Um, pretty much anything else here is good to go, right? It might hurt if you get bitten by it, but you're not going to get sick. I also used to listen to my grandfather talk about how he would go to the coal mines in Logan County, and the copperheads would be running... Uh, through the mines and they had to learn quickly to grab him by the tail and, and whip them like a whip to kill them because there were so many of them they, I don't know, I would not have been able to handle that dog for many reasons but having copperheads running between my legs as I was working would not be something that would be fun for me. So I think what I'd like to say is I had a healthy fear of snakes, especially those two kinds of snakes. Uh, Jamie has a picture on her phone of about a six-foot rattlesnake that decided to come visit us once in Florida. Uh, And she took a picture of that while standing on top of the picnic table when she saw the snake coming. So I think she has a healthy fear of snakes as well, especially that kind. I've been to Nicaragua several times, and one of the things that I claim is a huge mistake in my life is that I googled poisonous snakes of Nicaragua before I went to Nicaragua, (laughs) and I found that like five of the most deadly snakes on Earth happened to live there. And I have to admit to you that I saw two of those varieties of snakes while I was in Nicaragua, and the Lord and I had a great conversation. <laughs> I'm not a fan of snakes, and I think if you are a fan of snakes, then you are very weird, and we won't have much in common. But also, growing up, I didn't have the same kind of fear that I have now. I would go camping, literally in the woods with no tent, just a piece of plastic to make a lean-to, sleep on the ground on a sleeping bag, and never think once. That there could possibly be a snake that would come visit me in the middle of the night. I I didn't fear them. Uh, In fact, I was when I worked at church camp, I was the guy that didn't send to go get the snakes out of the cabin. So I don't really know what switched in my life, but I will not go get snakes for any of that. that. I think it's interesting that the way that this story starts out today is kind of midway through a conversation that Nicodemus is having Jesus back. We really don't even know that Nicodemus is a part of this story uh, because it's not part of the pericope, but it's, it's a larger piece of what's going on. It's also interesting that we pair this story with the story from the Book of Numbers, which I think is one of the oddest situations that happened to the Israelite people. But They were so disobedient that God sent poisonous snakes to them to bite them to kill them um, and then didn't get rid of it didn't get rid of the snakes after that. Just had had Moses make a bronze serpent and have them look at that bronze serpent. Now, if I think too much about this story, I have to start wondering, didn't God say, don't make idols? Yet God says to Moses, make this thing and have people look on it, and when they look on it, they will be healed. I'm not saying it's an idol, but it sounds a little idolatrous to me to have that be the way that we learn that god saves it's an odd story i think it's even more odd that in john's gospel we take this different approach to what happened in numbers the, 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 the serpent is placed on a pole and then placed before the people but here we learn that it's lifted up just like jesus must be lifted up interestingly i think um, the, the, the man who comes to visit Jesus at night uh, his name is Nicodemus and then that uh, in Aramaic it means the people's victory. so there's this idea that we're three chapters into this book there's a man who comes to visit Jesus at night, he has this conversation about being born again, born from above and then Jesus talks to him about how Jesus has to be lifted up just like Moses lifted up a serpent to be worshipped in order for people to be saved, and the man's name is the people's picture. He was a Pharisee. He was part of the St. We're we're going to learn a little bit more about him as time goes through the gospel. Um, But this is something that's happening in a very tumultuous time in Israel. Uh, At the time of the writing of John's gospel, likely the Sadducees no longer existed when the temple uh, was disrupted in the year 70. The Sadducees kind of went with us They're the only religious group that was kind of around when John's Gospel was being written was the, the, were the Pharisees. And so he's this Pharisee, this, this leader, this, this person of interest, this teacher of, of God's Word who comes to visit Jesus at night. Now, this snake ideology, I just can't get away from it in the text. And I'm not sure why I have a fear of snakes or why any you might have a fear of snakes, but I think it might come from the notion that somehow snakes were evil based on what happened in Genesis 3. I'm not trying to give that to you, but have you ever thought that snakes are great? Okay, so we're all gonna be friends. But have you thought that snakes are evil because of what happened in Genesis? I think that's part of a theology that kind of comes along, too, as it's handed down. But in many other cultures besides our own, besides Western Christianity, snakes are actually worshiped. There's there's something that people look to for wisdom. And so while this may be the nemesis of people who interpret Genesis 3 a specific way, it often is something that brings light to us. And it's something that encourages us to see the dark side. To comprehend what's called the shadow of reality. And healing can come when the shadow is recognized. If you have a dream about a snake and the snake tells you something, it's trying to reveal something to you. At least that's what Carl Jung thinks, who was a Swiss psychiatrist. And he says, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making darkness conscious. And so if snakes, not necessarily evil, but come to us in this darkness and this, this idea of dreaming. And they give us something. They're trying to get us to enlighten something that's in our lives, a shadow, if you will. And by engaging a shadow, just kind of like what I talked to little girls this morning, if we look at that thing that gives us fear, gives us pause, or has us concern, maybe even lead us to sin, if we look at that thing and address it, and bring it into the light and have a conversation about it, admit it, then it's able to be something that can heal us. It's interesting, I think, that this notion of a serpent being a healer, um, in Moses' time, as well as evidently in Jesus' time, uh, comes to us also in a different story in the form of Greek mythology, the rod of of Buggins. And and that rod is something that we see on medical poles, medical uh, places we go for medicine now. It's a single single snake on a pole. Sometimes you might see two snakes on a pole. That's actually a mistake that was made uh, in the Army in in the First World War. But the single pole and the, the single serpent on the pole um, is something from Greek mythology that tells us that this person who carried the pole, well, say, I, I can't say his name right, Asclepius, was a healer. He was the God of healing. and He brought healing to all the earth. It's Probably a little bit of crossover because the Greeks had certainly come in and, and their stories were being told uh, at this time during the, the first century. And so people kind of knew that story from Greek mythology as well. And so Jesus is saying all of these kind of cultural things are coming together. But what's fascinating to me in John's gospel is that we never have the notion that we do in the synoptics that Jesus must suffer and die. We don't see that. At least we don't see it in a threefold position. What we see in John's gospel is a threefold narrative that he must be lifted up. This is the first of those three. The next one comes in chapter 8, the next one comes in chapter 12, but this is the first of three passages where Jesus must be lifted up in in order for salvation salvation to take place. And the interesting part about salvation here is not just humanity. The word in Greek is literally cosmos, the total of all creation. This is a reversal of the condemnation of Adam and Eve in many ways in that all of creation will be saved through Jesus. And it's not an attitude or a feeling of God, it's the great love that God has for all of creation. And it's love expressed in a, in a certain, particular way. The only begotten Son must be lifted up on the cross for salvation. This action of love by God will literally be contrasted in this, even in, in this text, as something that people that are evil shy away from light, and cling to the darkness. But God still didn't send Jesus to judge the world. He came to love the world. It's a fascinating idea that we as Christians over the last 2,000 years or so have gotten into this notion, this understanding, that somehow this this evil thing that, that humanity must suffer if they don't believe in Jesus. That's just simply not what this text is. John 3.16 made famous at Denver Broncos games in the late 70s by the, the guy that wore the rainbow clown hat, right? Repent and believe. Well, that's, that's not the text. The text is if you believe, you can be saved, but God has not come to condemn in order to save. You don't have to have that kind of fear of punishment and damnation and death. God's not trying to illuminate Jesus did not come to show us how we're going to be punished if we don't turn. Jesus was sent in to the cosmos for the very purpose of saving the cosmos. This is the only time in John's Gospel that the word saved exists. It's the only time we have it. Salvation takes place not through condemnation, but through love. We have these themes of light and darkness again we don't know if we just start reading in verse 14 that that Nicodemus has come in the night but he has come in the night and so Jesus is having a conversation with him and says you know people that are afraid of something they do it in darkness Nicodemus was afraid to have this conversation with Jesus this notion that there's something different about this teacher that I, I want to find out about but I can't do it during the day My friends find out that I think that Jesus may be right and that our old traditions are wrong. I'm going to be condemned for that. And Jesus spots it right away. And he says, people that do things in darkness live in darkness. They love the darkness. They love that being evil. And even though Nicodemus, you're coming to me at dark because you're afraid of what others may think, you need to come to me during the day. And maybe that's the notion that we need to approach with this. We can't hide our Christian faith tucked away for a day when we need it. We need to be bold in our Christian faith and, and claim that we are a follower of Christ. But we don't always want our actions to be brought into the light of do. We? And it's not because we want to be complicit with our own evil. It's because we're afraid of the condemnation that could occur if we do say something out loud in the light If we do admit that there's something wrong in our lives, nine times out of ten, someone is going to come back and think differently about us. Any of you that have friends or family who have ever struggled with with substance abuse issues probably have had that kind of an experience in your life. The person that finally comes clean and says, I have a problem, oftentimes is not looked at in the greatest of light. I see it all the time in the hospital. People that come into the hospital with substance abuse issues, sometimes you'll hear staff say they've done it themselves. Maybe the first time. But there's evil in this world that grabs a hold of somebody and gets them connected to something in such a radical way that they just can't shake it. What does Jesus teach us about that darkness in that person's life? That the way to combat that darkness is in light with love. The new way is love, Love loving creation, each other so much that salvation can take place. Nicodemus came at night to inquire about how to understand Jesus. I recognize as others do like me that you are from God because no one can do these signs the way that you do unless they are from God. But he couldn't say that during the day. Salvation comes from looking at the Christ of God. Looking upon it, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. Have you heard that before? It's a great end. It's a great message. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. The world, the cosmos, all of creation. But sometimes, just like the fiery serpents in Numbers, Jesus can also be something to fear. And we must not be complicit in expediting that fear in someone's life. If people are afraid to approach Jesus, we need to not be people who are going to judge them and keep them away from Jesus. We need to be people that welcome them with love to learn more about Christ. Yet, sometimes we fear what Jesus is and who Jesus loves because it's different than what we think Jesus should be. And we can't understand why Jesus would love someone that we simply can It's much easier, at least for me, to stay in the shadows and be filled with fear, and maybe not even be like Jesus at all. To run away from what it is that frightens us the most, and maybe even try to undercut it. I think, if I'm honest, that's the same phony religiosity that drove Nicodemus to visit Jesus. He saw what the rules were doing to God's love. He saw that it prevents us from embracing the love that he saw in the, the scrolls of what we call the Old Testament. Not just about the snakes biting the evil people that complain and moan, but about God loving so much even then to provide a way for salvation. The story of God's salvific act is the whole Bible law. So let us move from the phony approach to God into a newness of life. Let us embrace the grace that is afforded to us. Let us change to be children of life. Let us love. Let us forgive. Let us lead the way toward Christ, bringing light into the darkness. And let us do this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now let us stand and declare what it is that we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended into the dead. for us to continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings if you're tuning in from facebook you'll see the link pop up those of us that are gathered here today we can leave our offering out in fellowship God, we thank you so much for the many gifts and blessings that you've given us in this life. What was the return a portion of these gifts to you now. We ask God for your wisdom, your courage to use them in a manner which you see fit. Also we ask in the name of your Son, Amen. You may be seated.
0: Today is a day of rejoicing in
1: that we are halfway through Lent. That's why I'm wearing a pink uh, stole today. Today is Sunday in the tradition of the church. This is when servants would be sent home to visit their mother. It's also a time when the church would look forward to seeing that Easter is, is on the horizon. It's not quite there yet, but we are, are halfway through the Lent season. And so it's a, it's a mild form of celebration. Now, the only time during Lent that, historically speaking, weddings could take place on this Sunday. So it's a time for us to think through the, while we're still recognizing and and being aware of what it is that's driving us away from Christ, there is this idea and notion that Christ is driving himself toward us. So with that in mind, let us bind our hearts and minds together as we lift up petitions to our Lord and to our King. Let us pray. Holy God, we rejoice and know, believe that you love us. You love us so much that you humbled yourself to the form of creation and came and lived among us. We thank you, Lord, for the life that you had here on earth, the life that taught us so many things. To love one another as you love us. To look for injustice in the world, to look at those who are broken, the disenfranchised, the impoverished, Look at them and say it is not through sin that they came this way, but Lord, we are to approach them and love them and welcome them into our presence. If they are our sisters and they are our brothers. We're called to love them. And that radical notion, Lord, it got you killed. We're still trying to comprehend that idea some 2,000 years later. We ask God for your patience as we discern what that means for us in our everyday lives. Holy God, each of us will bring to you petitions of our own, requests, perhaps even begging. Lord, why? Pray, God, for your will to be done in our lives. Lord, we also ask that as we lift these petitions to you, that you would hear our prayer, that you would possibly grant us what it is that we ask. For those who pray for healing, we ask that they be healed. For those who ask for deliverance, we ask, God, that they be delivered. For those who are impoverished, Lord, we ask that you hear their prayer of asking for daily bread. God, also, we ask that you would cause the scales of sin to fall off of our eyes and see the world through your eyes, through your lenses, a world in need of love acceptance and grace world that needs help. We pray God for the blessing that it is to be in this country to worship so freely. We pray God for our president, the leaders of our nation, the leaders of our state and local governments, whoever has been elected to lead God and direct us. We pray Lord that they would listen to your still small voice. We're thankful, Lord, for the freedom that we have to gather today. And we know that there are countries in this cosmos that do not have the same freedoms. And while we don't know our Christian brothers and sisters by name in those places, we pray for them, for their safety. We're thankful, Lord, for their bravery and worshiping, sometimes in secret, but sometimes in the wider world. We pray, God, today for. Dark situations in our own lives, the dark situations in the world. We pray, God, that your light will shine bright. We ask God that you would use us to be a reflection of your life. Allow us to be an emblem of hope, of healing, of love, and grace. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, we also pray for ourselves. God, we are truly amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We are so very thankful for your teaching. We're thankful, Lord, for you coming into earth and showing us how to live. We're also thankful, Lord, that you taught us also to pray. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand for our closing song and give thanks. things in life that have a tendency to frighten us are are things that that we are negligent in in naming as troubling for our soul. It's precisely the thing that we should take to Jesus. It's precisely the thing that during Lent we should be cognizant of in our own lives that this is something we need to be lifting up in a sacrificial way. It's a challenge for us to always want to do those things to to illuminate the challenges we have in our own faith our lives, with our work, whatever it may be. But I think the longer that we keep those, those notions and those ideas hidden, all they do is have a tendency to rot our soul from the inside out. The joy of what Jesus said to Nicodemus today is, name this thing, this love that you want to be a part of. Be bold in your faith. Come with me during the day. Come into the light shed light on the things that challenge us, and we will be set free and we'll be saved. That's easier for me to say than this for you to do. Maybe easier for you to hear than for you to do as well. But God gives us the grace and the courage to be able to, to face those fears, those anxieties, and then do it with God's grace So let us be the people that are willing to do that, but also the people that are willing to walk alongside someone else who does that for us. Amen. Now receive the blessing of the Triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May he be with us all until we meet again, either in this place or his glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday.